You are listening to a Commonwealth Bank of Australia Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. This podcast provides general market-related information and is not intended to be an investment research report. The information contained in this podcast is based on previously published material. And before listening, you're advised to read the full Global Economic and Markets Research Disclaimers, which can be found at combankresearch.com.au. Welcome to the Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. My name is Belinda Allen and I'm a Senior Economist here at ComBank and today I'm joined by Stephen Halmerick, our Chief Economist and Head of Research. Stephen, good to have you on again. Thanks, Belinda. Great to be with you again. Now, before we get into today's podcast, which we're going to cover, I guess, a variety of, of different thematics that we're seeing both in the Australian economy, uh, globally, the RBA, and uh, also some interesting tidbits we're getting from clients at the moment. We have just made some uh, changes to the way you can read our research. Do you want to fill our listeners in on that, particularly those who may only listen to our podcast? Yeah, thanks for that, Belinda. Yeah, I'm very pleased to say that we now have made what we call our economic insights uh, freely available for all to read. So if people go to the website, which is www combankresearch.com.au. They'll find all our economic insights there freely available. You, you don't need to log on or provide passwords. So that's reports where we talk about the economy in general, you know, what's happening with the Australian economy or the key global economies, what's happening with the Reserve Bank policy, you know, different parts of the economy. Uh, we can also uh, share those reports on social media, so you can find them on LinkedIn and things like that if you follow me or, or yourself, <laughs> Belinda. Uh, people can uh, read our reports there. So we really have opened up those economic insights for, for everybody to read and hopefully that will uh, help with their understanding of what's happening in the Australian economy and the, the key international economies that we cover. Now, one of those reports that everyone can now uh, access is one you published late last week called Tactics and Strategy. Now, I must say, when I first got it, I'm like, what on earth is he talking about? But it's really about how policy in Australia is changing dealing with COVID. So in New South Wales, uh, I think we're in week, what, 11 or 12 of lockdown. I'm losing count as we speak, but just how policy is changing as we start to look at reopening the economy and also what the data is doing around that as well. So kind of what is your current take on how the government's rethinking COVID, what strategy they're taking and what is some of the key data doing as a result? Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, I, I did take the you know, tactics and strategy theme for my for my paper. Uh, so the way I'm thinking about it is, you know, last year, 2020, the strategy was all around uh, uh, suppression. You know, so getting case numbers down to zero every day and uh, having the eco- economy open when that was the case. Now the Delta strain changed all that. Uh, I don't think uh, we will be going back to zero cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly not anytime soon. And so the tactic now is, of course, around vaccination. Get the vaccination rates up to that 75 to 80 percent, or sorry, 70 to 80 percent level, and then get the economy open. Now, here in New South Wales, where we are, you know, we're on the path of that, as are other states. Now, at, at the moment, we're seeing the data uh, come in that that's really reflecting what was happening in July, mm. or July and August, and you know the internally generated data that we get access to is really showing uh, that the number of bank accounts receiving a wage or salary is, uh, is falling, uh, but equally the number of bank accounts receiving a government benefit has really surged higher in the last couple of weeks. 
So we're getting this replacement of uh, employment income with government income. Uh, some of that is being spent. Uh, we, we know that spending is lower on CBA credit and debit cards than it was a few weeks ago, but uh, still actually in positive territory relative to the same week in 2019. Uh, but it's also savings continues to surge. So Australians continue to build up a very large buffer of savings inside their bank mm. accounts which we think will hold us in pretty good stead for 2022. So uh, when we're allowed uh, back out and about again, uh, there's actually a fair bit of money that can be spent in the economy. Yeah, we put that at around $200 billion by the end of 2021, which is such a large amount of money. Now, one of the things that you and I spend a lot of time doing, as do the rest of the members of the research team, is talking to the Australian business sector. Uh, so we have continued all of that through lockdown and obviously we get some very interesting insights from these companies. Now, what was some of the feedback, if we kind of think about how did those companies think the Australian economy was placed pre-lockdown? And then I'm going to ask you about what their thinking is now. Yeah, so as you say, you know, talking to Australian businesses is a big part of the role. And mm. in fact, for me, I think it's actually the best part of my job, <laughs> um, talking to Australian companies. And so really, before the lockdown, uh, the two key themes were concerns around the labour market, particularly mm. the big reduction in uh, non-resident workers. So the closing of the international border has seen a substantial decline in uh, non-resident workers, so uh, people from outside of Australia coming in uh, available for work. That's dropped from about 4% of the total labour market to about 1.5%. So there's actually a shortage of labour in uh, some sectors of the economy that was holding back production and activity. Uh, and the other key thing was really around uh, supply side and logistics costs, a big increase in things like container freight rates, um, transport costs, supply chain. So uh, tightening labour market and higher costs were certainly the big theme pre these current lockdowns. It's interesting. I've done quite a few uh, client calls with uh, Western Australian businesses and that's certainly a, a key thematic over there, the fact that supply costs of, of shipping costs have really gone up just because there's fewer ships coming into Australia, so prices have gone up. But also for them, not only are they dealing with the international border close, but with the domestic border close as well. So that's putting a real constraint on them being able to source labour, given their economy's been outperforming a lot of the other state economies, and that's really starting to, to put some pressure on their cost base as well. It's also interesting that uh, our credit strategists have also just looked at the recent Australian earnings season. It looks like some of that feedback's coming through there as well. Yeah, that's right. I think it was really interesting that uh, one of the other things that's happening is the big increase in online shopping mm. uh, during lockdowns, which of course we can see through the CBA credit and debit card data, and whether companies may be able to pass on higher costs to retail prices um, with a greater share of those uh, that spending being online. So, you know, essentially people are locked down in their home doing online spending, and if the price has gone up a little bit. Um, they're willing to pay that because um, you know they need the they need the goods to be mm. delivered, uh, and there's not much of an alternative. So we'll see. Now, clearly, we haven't seen any of those um, factors in the official inflation data as yet. Uh, perhaps that uh, that might show up as we get through 2022. Now, we heard from the Reserve Bank of Australia at the September board meeting. It was 
a little bit uncertain whether or not they will continue on their uh, path to reduce or taper their bond purchases, which they did announce in July and that was uh, set to start in September. They did announce that they would be tapering their bond purchases. What did you make of the RBA decision? Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, ourselves and just about everybody mm-hmm. else in the market had thought the Reserve Bank might reverse their decision to taper. So putting that in numbers, um, they were buying bonds at the rate of $5 billion a week uh, through the start of this year to the end of August. Uh, in July, they announced they would reduce that to $4 billion a week from September. Um, so they've actually stuck with that reduction to $4 billion a week. Uh, but what they have done is extended the time frame of that. So initially, they said they were going to be buying bonds at $4 billion a week and then review again in November this year. Now they're saying they'll be buying bonds at $4 billion a week, but not reviewed that until February 2022. Mm. So in, in a sense, they've extended this current phase of quantitative easing, what we might call QE3, <laughs> uh, from three months to six months at that $4 billion a week pace. So a little bit of a bet each way. You know, they did reduce the amount of bonds yeah. they're buying, but over a longer time frame. It's interesting that they do still believe that the setback from the Delta outbreak to be only temporary. So they expect it to only delay but not derail the economic recovery and that it should bounce back, I guess, albeit with some uncertainty when the economy can reopen. We're also seeing other central banks potentially delay the tapering as well. So the one that comes to mind is the US Federal Reserve. So there was some expectation that they may taper their bond purchases around now. That does not look like the case and it's all based on a soft recovery in the U.S. labour market. What's the latest thinking on the Fed? Yeah, with the U.S. Federal Reserve, they have said that the um, higher inflation rates Mm. that we've seen recently do meet their hurdle for a reduction in their bond purchase program or their QE program. But they were waiting on labour market numbers for August to come through uh, to confirm that the labour market uh, would allow them to taper as well. But the latest employment numbers were a lot weaker than expected. So we've now delayed the announcement of a tapering in the U.S. QE program from the 22nd of September Fed meeting to the 3rd of November Fed meeting. So really a a month and a half delay there in in the U.S. Fed tapering. But we still do think that they'll be implementing that lower asset purchase program before the end of this year. Uh, So they're still expecting a tapering from the U.S. Fed, but a bit later than previous expectations. And the Delta outbreak has also caused some implications for China's pace of economic growth as well. We did have Kevin Chia, our senior Asian economist, on the podcast a few weeks ago now, but it's certainly something that he was talking about. Uh, Any update to what is happening in China? Yeah, well, the the most recent data flow in China for July uh, did show uh, a slowdown in economic activity through July, so um, a slowing in the pace of growth. And we've revised down our 2021 GDP forecast for China from 8.6% to 8.4%. So that's not a huge reduction, but um, certainly going in the slower direction. Uh, So a more modest growth outlook for China as well, and that's been weighing um, on Australia Mm. as well. Yeah. Now, just to finish off, we have been, as a team, spending a lot more time looking at the sustainable economics thematic Uh, So we've been doing a lot more work on environmental, social governance factors and what it means not only for Australia, but also what it means for carbon emissions, carbon pricing, 
uh, even in China, looking at how China's decarbonising their economy. What are some of the key thematics coming out of it? So, yes, in the, in the last month, in the month of August, we actually, uh, the international team, put out three you know, mm. really key notes on this subject. One on um, the glo- a global overview of pricing greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, the one on uh, China, uh, as you mentioned, mm. so decarbonising the Chinese economy, uh, where Kevin has used the title "Learning by Doing," which I thought was a, mm. an excellent way of framing it. And then another, a, a second one by Kim Mundy, uh, who has done one on the European Union's carbon border adjustment mechanism, which is really um, one of the policies the European Union is going to use to try and ensure that um, you know their own policies. Uh, reflect lower carbon prices around the world. So, in a sense, carbon emitters can't you know, trade off different uh, jurisdictions in the in the path to a lower carbon outcome. So, um, really important pieces around uh, carbon pricing and mm. carbon policy, and that's going to be a key a key discussion point at the uh, you know, the global meetings on climate change policy later this year, and we think for many years to come. So really uh, an important space for us to be moving into in our research and that's really um, quite exciting. It is. Stephen, it's been great to get your insights today. We covered a lot of different ground, but it's been great yes, to, to catch your thoughts on all those uh, different thematics. So thanks for joining. Thanks, Linda. My pleasure. Now, you can read uh, Stephen Halmerich's Vantage Point on Tactics and Strategy, which was published on the 9th of September 2021, in full now, which is very exciting, on ComBank Research dot com dot au where cba data is referred to this means the proprietary data of the bank as the statistics take into account only the bank's data and may not reflect all trends in the market all com- customer data used or represented is anonymized and aggregated before analysis and is used and disclosed in accordance with the bank's privacy policy 